You're listening to 10 Points, a podcast with your hosts, Ash and Nicholas, where all the talk is Canadian Highlander, our favorite format from the best trading card game ever, Magic the Gathering. Hey everyone, it's me, Nicholas. And me, Ash. And today we're going to be doing all about combo, so we're going to be just talking everything combo top to bottom. But before we get too far into that, we do need to do our best card from, and today, uh, we're skipping 7th edition because it's all reprints, we're doing our best card from Apocalypse. So, Nick, what do you got for me? Um, yeah, so I went with Fire Ice. Um, it's a very versatile card that ends up making it in a lot of is it decks. Um, you can kill creatures, you can draw cards, what more do you need to do? You can tap their blue source that too yeah it's uh it's been a mainstay since the format i think um and uh just keeps it keeps on going keeps on pushing um i had two picks that weren't fire eyes from this set and the one i'm gonna go with is actually the cycle of pain lands it's yavamaya coast caves of coilos battlefield forge lana war wastes and what's the last one it would be have to be um blue rest shivan reef so you know uh admittedly we've gotten some better lands over the years but i think that those ones still pretty frequently see play especially now that they've been reprinted yet again they can be pretty budget budgety options if you need them um, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're definitely not like super they're de- they're definitely not the best lands to play, but they're they're pretty reasonable. I would have to agree. Um, but now let's you know kind of dive a little in a little bit into our our topic today. Today we're going to be talking all about combo. We're going to be doing a bit of an overview on all of the different types of combo you can play, and kind of touch on how they all exist in the meta game and what they're good against, what they're not good against. A little bit about how they all work and why you would play them. Yeah, um, so let's start with what is combo. Um, most people listening, I'm sure, know if you play Magic, you are fam- at least familiar with the archetype of combo. But combo is basically, I guess the way I would describe it is when two or more cards that are probably not super great on their own interact together in a way that usually wins you the game instantly uh that might that's kind of a a vague definition but i feel like it it checks the boxes for for combo yeah i think that's about right um the only thing i think i would add is that typically a deck to be considered a combo deck it's usually its primary game plan is to assemble this collection of cards to put itself in that game state where it's winning or actively is literally winning the game right then. Um, I guess we talk, we'll talk a little bit later about hybrid decks where it's not always plan A, but I think generally speaking, when people hear combo, they assume dedicated going to be doing this directly. And usually people assume combo decks are fast, which is moderately true. Yeah, it depends on the combo deck. It's a very, very wide archetype, and today we're going to try to cover as much of that as we can. Um, Obviously, this is just that. like It's a general covering of combo as an archetype, so we're going to miss some points. We're going to not go in-depth as in-depth on certain things. But um, I would say if you have a specific combo deck that you would like to hear more about, want a bit more of a deep dive on, let us know in the comments and maybe we'll be able to do that. Yeah, I think we've done one on Paradox and one on Storm. I think, I think we've we did one on Pod, actually. Yeah, I think we did one on Pod. But there are plenty of combo decks still to be explored. Combo decks lend themselves to deep dives pretty well. They do. Um. But uh, we've broken up combo decks into four kind of subgroups. Um, and there is definitely, it's a bit of a Venn diagram. There is some overlap amongst these groups. Um, but the first uh, umbrella, I guess, that we have is artifact-based combo decks. You'll see this, such as Paradox Academy. You'll see eggs, um, some other forms of, like, tinker toy kind of decks 
would often fall into the combo category. Yeah. Um, the We'll go more in depth on these in a little bit, but the I'd say the next kind of archetype is um, like dedicated spell combo decks. Um, Storm's obviously a really good example of that. It's kind of... Honestly, when I think of combo, that's like the first thing that my, my head goes to anyway. And then like I'd say Doomsday is another another one that kind of falls into that category. Yeah, Just, turbo any any sort of turbo oracle deck. Yeah. Um another deck or another uh, umbrella is I mentioned a bit ago is hybrid archetypes. Um this is more like your traditional modern splinter twin where it it does more than just turbo combo it interacts sometimes it doesn't even kill you with a combo um uh you'll in highlander you'll often see um you'll see like uh oracle control decks or time vault control decks uh sometimes you'll even see more mid-rangey decks that like creature based mid-range decks or like toolbox decks that happen to have a combo kill in there um, I know back in the day, Aristocrat when Aristocrats was like a playable deck. Uh, <laughs> I, I hope that that doesn't infuriate anybody. If it does, let me know in the comments. But uh, you know, its its game plan is not to combo off, but it had multiple combo lines in it. Um, I think that kind of falls into a like that has a combo out, combo finishes. So that's what we mean by hybrid. Usually, combo was not necessarily its first game plan, but it's a very potent you know, uh, a game plan that has the tools to work. Gomba, uh, goblins, actually, I think, would qualify as a, a hybrid combo deck. Um, its first game plan is not usually combo, but it sometimes you draw a recruiter, and now it is. Yeah, and there's obviously different levels to that. Like, Time Vault and Goblins are both in that umbrella, but at very different ends of the spectrum. Yeah, where, I would agree. Where, like, Time Vault, its game plan definitely involves the combo the game plan is control and then combo goblins game plan is attack and then maybe combo exactly um and then yeah the last uh combo archetype which goblins kind of falls into a little bit is creature based usually that's involving a kikijiki or um maybe soul like herder soul herder like soul herder ewit time walk oh sure yeah I would say Ewit and Time Walk are the more important parts of that combo, but yes. Yeah, um, um you you'd see like Oh, are you talking um, about Spellseeker? Yeah, like Seeker Walk or um like a dedicated pod. Yeah. Um yeah, Spellseeker is a really good example of that Kiki Jiki combo. Um like Safi Revelark lines in uh like Sandy B type decks. Yeah. Um uh, one deck that is not creature based is flash hulk yeah that is. That, that's definitely more of the dedicated spell combo deck i know that it wins with creatures but it, it doesn't though yeah um i would say it's, like a lot of the kind of a plus b which i don't i guess i don't know if flash hulk technically counts as an a plus b combo but it's pretty it does what are you talking about a of course it does b. well it's a plus b which leads you to c d e f and g sure but like yeah 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 yeah. It, it's the it's deck is called flash hulk yeah you're right you're right for sure so like i see what you're saying but like i think it definitely counts um yeah uh and i you know there's a lot of other ways you could classify your your decks like if you want to break up your combo decks into like interactive versus non-interactive combo decks if you wanted to break it up into storm versus a plus b de like there's a million ways you could classify them but this is the way that we kind of felt like broke up their play styles decently well um but uh, we've touched on a bunch of them and we're going to talk a little bit more about them as we start going through them and what we're going to be doing is we're going to go through them talk about a little bit how the deck works um how you go about playing it some of the ways you can play against it and touch on each deck's kind of matchups and just kind of talk about some interesting things about each deck along the way. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah. Great. Where do you want to start? Um, let's just, I'd say we just start by kind of going through each deck and giving a, a description of 
what it does. Maybe not like each deck, but at least all of the like the big the big ones, big big combo decks. Sure. Um, I guess one good place to start. We mention it all the time. Is Paradox Academy. We've done a deep dive on this one, so we won't talk too much. But uh, if you don't know how Paradox Academy works, it's a Paradox Engine, Talarian Academy combo deck. Your goal is to play a lot of mana rocks that make a lot of mana, and then play cards that draw a lot of cards. And you have artifact tutors. You find eventually that you have a lot of mana, a lot of cards, and you can put some stuff together that is going to insta-win. Whether that's a giant walking ballista, whether that is Aetherflex Reservoir plus a bunch of spells. Uh, There's a lot of ways to go about it, um, but... At the end of the day, usually it involves infinite mana and walking ballista. And uh, that's more or less how the deck works. It's extremely fun. Would recommend. Um, would, yeah. Did you want to you want to touch on how each deck works and then go back and talk about how they like how you play them? Or just like, are we going to now talk about how to play against it? Um, I'd say it's, it's yeah, no, we should probably just go one deck at a time. So talk about okay. how to play with and against Paradox. Yeah, so do you want to talk uh, just very briefly how we, how you go about playing Paradox? Yeah. Um, I know, I kind of already did a little bit. Yeah, I mean, Paradox, so you really want to spend your like early turns, obviously, setting up, uh, trying to get out as much mana as you can. Um, and then it's a deck that, I mean, as with pretty much any combo deck, it's a deck that rewards you for knowing the, the list well. There's like a lot of just random artifact combos that fit into the deck and so you're really just trying to like find look at your hand and find which pieces work best like look at your hand form a game plan and be like okay well i've got a sensei's divining top in hand so if i can get key paradox engine and a way to make mana that is like that can be my game plan a and kind of go from there um and it also depend like as with any combo deck again it so heavily depends on what you're playing against because you play completely differently against control than you would against red deck wins yeah um, i'd agree that a big part about paradox and similarly eggs as we we'll talk about in a minute um the way both of them tend to work is you want to assemble resources and then spend them towards one of your finish states, which is like these permanents on board, or this plus that, or whatever it may be. And the way that you get really good at a deck like that is getting very familiar with what those finish states are, and playing toward them. You know, trusting yourself to play toward them, I think, what I would say. Um... Nicholas was saying you your primary game plan is to dump mana into play. Um, to that point, when you are looking at your hand, deciding what, if you're keeping it or not, usually what you want is you want a way to produce mana fast and a way to either draw cards or tutor, because tutoring can lead to drawing cards. Um, so one of your best starts is just like dump your hand up with a bunch of mana and cast Wheel of Fortune. That's like your best start in that deck. Yeah. Uh... Um, and... Really, from there, you just kind of do what we said and play towards one of your win condition. You're your finishing the game conditions. Yeah, like Ash said, I think I think it's fair to say that combo more than any other archetype, maybe except for creature toolbox decks, the more you know your list and how it functions, the better you're going to do. Just... yeah. Because there's, like like Ash said, really when you're playing that any deck that's playing that many tutors, always knowing what the right tutor, tutor target is at any given time, it can be really difficult. And so if you're yeah. just super familiar with how it interacts, you're going to do better. I'd agree. Um, as far as playing against Paradox, I think the biggest thing is you just got to put the pedal to the metal. Um. People like to think if I have a hand of six counter spells or five counter spells, two lands, I'm golden. And while I hesitate to say that's wrong, the deck is pretty good at just waiting and making its land drops. 
it's in no hurry if you're not if you're not pressuring it. Yeah, the problem uh, against with not pressuring paradox is they just get to keep ramping and keep drawing cards, and then they just get to the point that they can win with game plan A, B, C, or D, and yeah, you can't yeah. beat them all. Because if you think about it, the paradox, the two, like we said, the two things the deck really wants is mana and cards. And if you just play Drago, they get both of those things without using the stack. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like Ash said, the best way to beat it is just go pedal the metal. And also, one thing about paradox is like when they're trying to go off, usually it's kind of around like one or two key cards. And so if you do have like one removal spell or one counter spell, getting a clock and then just kind of holding up that one piece of interaction to buy you an extra turn, the turn they try to go off, um, can absolutely be the difference in the match. Yeah, and I would say, you may disagree with me on this, but I would say, you probably don't. On average, I think that removing the stuff in play is better than countering it. Like, it's better, it's better, like... Interacting with removal is going to be, on average, better than interacting with counterspells. Uh, yeah, Just, I mean, obviously, it, it depends. Like, counterspells like, counter are good. is probably better because they don't get the untap. But the, the good thing about removal is you can find the time. Like, you can save it until they overcommit to that game plan. Yeah. Um, so... Um, and one more thing is if you are if you're playing a deck that is set up to do this if you are able to play a threat and you have a de- like multiple pieces of removal slash counter spells if you just absolutely wreck their mana with your threat in play that's usually enough um if you like the traditional wisdom is to wait till they play like they play the one ring or they play it used to be if they play the mystic forge uh or if they play their candelabra you remove that stuff and then you know you kind of go from there but if you don't let them get to that point because you are marching their seat of the synod and then you're prismatic ending their mox opal or really you should prismatic ending the thing that gives the metalcraft for mox opal uh, doing that while you have your young pyromancer or whatever it is in play, that can be enough if you have enough of that interaction. That's kind of like the Jeskai or Grixis deck kind of thing, but if you're in a position to do that, that can be very powerful. Yeah, and that is, uh, Ash just mentioned the One Ring, which it has become a pretty big part of Paradox's game plan, oh, I would say. It's insane. Uh, like, Paradox used to be all about how do I get, like, what which combo piece do I tutor for? Now it's like, all right, how can I find the one ring? And then that will just get me to a combo. Yeah, Um. if you go look at Paper Lantern number 12, uh, I believe I did not drop a single game. I was playing Paradox. And I believe I did not drop a single game in which I resolved the one ring. Even, actually, even without resolving the one ring, just the time the game's like get it in play even without getting its protection trigger just the card draw enough is insane um but uh as far as matchups um i know we said we weren't going to talk about this deck that much but here we are um we talk more about matchups in the deep dive on this deck we did but you don't really like decks that have a lot of pressure and a lot of interaction like jeskai or grixis um, you don't really mind control that much because they give you plenty of time to do stuff. And you don't love red deck wins because they goldfish basically as fast as you. And, and you they play Price of Progress. Collector is really bad for you. Oh, collect creature toolbox decks are awful because they're going to collector with you, they're going to night of autumn you, and they're going to soul her to that night of autumn. And all of those things attack you to death. Yeah, all those things attack you to death. Um, But mid-range that isn't fast, you actually kind of really like because they usually can't interact with you enough and then you die or then you kill them um yeah all right we should other combo decks we've already done a whole deep dive on this yeah you're right uh, if you want more information you can go let us rehash all that and talk more on the deep dive moving on eggs uh 
a lot of similar notes um, in the card draw and a lot of mana department and then finding a combo. Um, it's just the cards work different. More of your cards are for sacrificing reasons. Yeah, and eggs, you bring eggs them back. game plan is kind of... It's either sacrifice a bunch of art, or like artifact eggs and second sunrise them back or just find one of the 20 black lotus combos where you just like loop black lotus and then loop eggs um, yeah and i would say eggs even more than paradox there's just a million weird interactions in the deck that really reward you for knowing it i think that i think that it is a little more so and the reason what well, one of the reasons is that eggs is played a little less well a decent bit less and it's a bit of a worse deck but it's still quite good but it, it it's made its rounds less in the format so less people are familiar with the exact lines that they are with paradox and the lines are a little more convoluted a lot of the time yeah there's like a lot of random six card combinations that yeah a lot of time the time you're like well i never need to worry about this because this is six cards but when you're just drawing so many cards, you're just turning through your deck. You'll yeah, like you play lots of there. tutors. Yeah, you play lots of tutors too. Um, yeah, uh, Nick, do you want to talk a little bit about a creature combo? Yeah. Um. Obviously, we've done a whole episode about uh Kiki Pod. Um. But creature combo in. I mean, there. So there's really, I would say, three main creature combo decks. There's Kiki Pod decks. There's spell like Seeker Walk decks, and then there's um, like Pattern Rector type decks. So Kiki Pod, uh, I won't spend as much time on because we've spent uh, at least one full episode talking about it, and also we just I I kind of talk about it a lot because I love it. Um, but the main game plan of that deck is get um birthing pot into play and then go through a chain that ends in you having felidar guardian and kiki jiki on the battlefield which makes infinite felidar guardians that attack them to death um and then also you just have the game plan of just attacking them with creatures so it kind of fits into the hybrid hybrid category but not uh not completely i think about it like you play creatures that they have to kill otherwise you kill them and then once they spend the mana or the resource or the card whatever it is to stop that plan then you're like oh great i've been waiting to combo kill you that's kind of how i think about it i don't know if that's quite right but that's how i always think about those decks yeah no that's, that's... so it's more of the attacking is more about forcing them to spend their stuff so then you get to combo more less than it being just an alternate game plan yeah um that that's kind of pretty accurate and then on that same note i would say the reason it's like what makes an alternate game plan is if you do get the combo disrupted you can very quickly just switch to a mid-range game plan yeah i agree but I'll go through the other two creature combo decks real quick, and then because I think they they all kind of have the same matchup advice, like how to play it, how to play against it, okay. kind of thing. Um, Seeker Walk's pretty similar, except your uh, your main game plan is play Spell Seeker with six mana, and then you go through a loop that ends in you taking ex- taking infinite turns. Um, and it's, it's, I'd say a little less heavy on the toolbox aspect, but still pretty. pretty... I mean, most of the tutors are just supposed to get Spellseeker. Yeah, like usually you're just finding Spellseeker. And then Pattern Rector, you put Pattern of Rebirth. Or you, you can, if you have like a sack outlet... You and you can tutor for Academy Rector, sack Academy Rector to get Pattern of Rebirth, sacrifice whatever creature is holding the Pattern of Rebirth for uh, Protean Hulk, and then you just kill them by sacking that and doing whatever the heck you want. 
Yeah, those are def the pattern decks really aren't that popular nowadays. I think I think it's just because there's just too much extremely good ways to interact with it. Yeah, there's there's nothing worse than playing pattern rector and then your opponent just like plays a turn one death right shaman and you're like oh well. Well, yeah, I mean that's not that's not new. I'm more thinking of like endurance and solitude is great. March of otherworldly light is great. Uh, there's um. Like, I feel like I could be wrong about this, but I just feel like there's so much incidental graveyard hate nowadays. There is. Also, just opposition agent. Like, if they just yeah. hold their opposition agent until you sacrifice your Protean Hulk or something, like... Yeah, I mean, every Mana Dork deck and every Cantrip deck cried when Orcish Bowmasters got printed, and um, that doesn't leave very many other decks. Yeah. So... Yeah, that being said, Orcus Belt Masters is a boon to those decks because it helps you play against the recall decks. Yeah. But um Yeah. Um matchup wise for those decks, what are we looking at? Anything that doesn't have humility? Yeah. Um yeah, humility is really good. You're uh, you're out to that is Beseju. Um or Brazen Borrower if you're blue. Yeah, but that I I've like I've kind of gone back and forth on Brazen Bar. The reason you play it sometimes is because it is a tutorable way to deal with humility, um, but it only deals with it for a turn. That being and only said, half your tutors get it. Yeah. That being said, humility has definitely like definitely is not not what it used to be, at least in terms of people playing it. Because uh, the problem with humility is now, if your opponent just gets an initiative creature into play before you play humility, you, it doesn't matter. The humility yeah, doesn't your humility do doesn't matter. It's rough. It's rough out here, guys. It's rough. Those <laughs> blue eye control players are missing the glory days. Blue eye control is a dying, uh, dying archetype, and I love it. Hey, hey, you, you watch your mouth. At least blue eye control as it has existed for so long. Blue eye control is still pretty reasonable if you are in a more, well, not, I wouldn't say aggressive, but a more threat-dense game plan. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a sad day for us, us people like me. Um, but we're not here to lament the loss of my love. We are, we are here to talk about combo decks, so let's keep doing that. Um. Another, uh, I mean, this is what we already talked about. A lot of people think about this when they think about combo is Storm or dedicated Doomsday decks or like Turbo Thassa's Oracle decks. Um, we have that written down here as dedicated spell-based combo decks. Like they're not the artifact or creature-based ones, but they're just the more like very hyper-specific what it is you're trying to do. Um, and uh, I guess I'll start with I guess I'll start with, uh, actually, I-, I would rather have you talk about Breach Storm, because you have many more reps on Breach Storm than me. Um, yeah, so obviously, first of all, dedicated spell combo decks is going to be the most varied umbrella that we talk about. But yeah, Breach Storm, we've, this is another one that we've done a whole episode on, so I won't dwell on it too long. But basically, your game plan is get either, you get Black Lotus or LED. Brain Freeze, and Underworld Breach. And then you just kind of kill them from there. And so you're... Uh, in case you don't know how that works, you use um, Brain Freeze to target yourself to keep milling yourself cards so you can feel Underworld Breach, mana from LED or Lotus. You do that to yourself enough times that you have a high enough storm count where you can target your opponent and mill them out completely. Yeah, or tendrils them to death, or lightning bolt them to death. The world, the The world's your oyster if yeah you have all access to all of your cards and pretty much not quite infinite mana but pretty close yeah it's a it's a it's a good day yeah but uh your game plan is set up set up set up try to get to those three cards and then kill your opponent yeah a lot of times the way that your interaction in this deck uh it breaks down to hand attack and silences you don't usually play counter spells um, the deck does play like Abrupt Decay Assassin's Trophy to remove key cards like Collector Oof, Opposition Agent, or uh, Rest in Peace, if that's something that people are playing, because um, those just kind of stop you in your tracks. 
but uh, most of your interaction is thought sees or silence. Yeah, you're on like a couple, like you're on lightning bolt, and then usually either fatal push or swords, and then like uh, abrupt decay, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say your worst matchups are decks that are particularly good at finding those previously mentioned problematic creatures and permanents. As because well, I mean, similar to what we talked about with uh, uh, artifact based combo decks, is if they are really good at finding the thing that interrupts you, and that thing also happens to have power, that's just not where you want to be, and that's going to be a pretty common theme amongst combo decks. I, I I would say. Yeah, for sure. You have any other matchup notes? Oh, blue white control is this deck's best matchup. Yeah, it's pretty solid. Uh, you just wait till you find a silence and then, or like a duress. Yeah. Um, and then if they, you, yeah, because they just usually can't present a threat fast enough. Yeah. Usually. Yeah. That being said, the way that control is changing, that that uh, dynamic might be a little different. Yeah, like you definitely don't want to be playing against bullet control when they slam a monastery mentor. But even then, you might be... Oh, I'm thinking Fairy Mastermind. Sure. That... Or, or Hole Breacher. Yeah. Fairy Mastermind is less good. I mean, it's a it's a threat, but not a terrible well, I just mean one. I just mean they get to play threats while holding up interaction that do some amount of interrupting you. Sure. Avon Mind Sensor. Um, you could, I mean, I guess they could just slam a Merktide region. I don't know. That'll do it yeah uh but um do you have any more comments about not about storm? bridge storm particularly okay um another pretty strong deck you'll see in this in this little realm is uh turbo oracle or doomsday oracle or uh some maybe doomsday without oracle possibly i don't know about that though or bridge storm um, doomsday yeah or bridge storm doomsday just uh the big thing about these decks is they are hyper-focused on their combo. The details of how they're comboing can change how you interact with them, but broadly speaking, your best bet is to hold up some amount of interaction, whatever it is that's best against them, whether it's counter spells, whether it's graveyard interaction, whatever. Um, your best bet is to hold up interaction for these and get a threat in play as fast as you can. Yeah. So you can... Really, Kill them while you interact. Really, this whole episode can be boiled down to try to present a clock and some sort of disruption. If you can do yeah. both at the same time, that's even better. Like, Aven Mind Sensor and Opposition Agent are great cards. And um, really, the reason that... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, but we'll more specifically, more specifically for each archetype is kind of what we're covering. Yeah, I mean, and the reason that that is the case for combo decks, at least this is what my brain just discovered right now while you were talking, is every other deck, whether it's a control deck, whether it's an aggro deck, whether it's a mid-range deck, whether it's a synergy deck like Bant Blink or something, they win over the course of several turns, so they have to start winning before they actually win. Combo decks, they can do nothing or just set up without committing much of anything forever, pretty much, and then win in one turn. So that's why they can just wait until the one turn where you pause or you stutter and then kill you. So that's why you have that's why presenting a threat as fast as you can gives them less time to put together the pieces to do that. Yeah, because combo like it. Mo at least a lot of combo decks they goldfish really fast but it's fragile to disruption and the problem with combo is a lot of the time if you try to go off and then get disrupted you're so far like you're on the back foot trying to trying to recover from that because you've already spent a lot of resources trying to accomplish your combo so what you can do a lot of the time is just not go off until you're sure that you're protected and so if there is no like no clock or no threat f making you try to go off you can kind of just sit there and continue to set up 
because like ash said your game plan with almost any combo deck like pretty much all we've all the ones we've talked about it's setup 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 combo and if you can just extend that setup for as many turns as you need to you have the tools in your deck to just make it impossible to disrupt you yeah because it gives you more time to have more mana to work with it gives you more time to draw the extra tutor it gives you more time to find the redundant piece so if they interact with you you just say oh okay what about this one yeah and just or just to find your own interaction like yeah okay well i found duress yeah yeah i found silence oh you oh you mental missed out my silence well i'm gonna duress you oh look you just have one counter spell goodbye and then you go off which you so you duress them first but you know yeah you for sure duress them first I don't know. <laughs> that was the, I, I really, the worst i meant that the other way around yeah yeah that was also you them first like and they the, the most irrelevant nitpick ever in a example of a thing that could happen but uh if you're playing it's just because you've played more of that deck than me sure um all right we left off on a deck we didn't uh, uh we were talking we're, about breach or sorry we yeah, were talking doomsday, about like doomsday doomsday oracle, oracle. Kind of stuff, yeah um so the way that deck works is you if you don't know what doomsday is doomsday is a three mana sorcery for black 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 you lose half your life total i think rounded up and you ex uh, well you take five cards out of your graveyard and library exile every other one of those cards and then you stack those five cards and put it in your library in whatever order you want so you set up a pile that is just going to instantly win you the game um you have a lot of cards in your deck that cycle for free like street wraith or edge of autumn as well as Cataxium probe gush and um not ancestral recall in the fastest oracle builds but uh you're usually winning with a fastest oracle off of that um, but there are other ways to go about it as well. If you want to build, you can build Doomsday without Oracle, so you can give yourself more points. But you're playing a like a different combo finish that usually involves LED and Grape Shot. I think um, uh, there's a number of ways to do it. Yeah, really. Once you can get any five cards and a way to draw them, you can do it. Like Laboratory Maniac, Chase Builder Mysteries. Like there's yeah. uh, the the sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Um, the, there's a really high skill ceiling with Doomsday, which is uh, fi- like figuring out what pile you can win with off of what card you have in your hand that draws you a card. That's called your starter. That's how you start your pile. And then how much mana you have access to. Um, so Doomsday is not simple to play. Uh, it, it might sound like it is, but it, it really isn't. Um, but the way you're going to interact with that deck is, I would say, I mean, if you can interact with a setup, that's great, but realistically you need to, you need to have interaction when they start going off. Um, assuming they get there before you can kill them with your threat. Uh, usually they're going to set up in such a way where they have additional interaction, um, often in the form of pact and negation or force of will. So you're going to want to deal with it if you can. But um, yeah, that's more or less how the deck works. Uh, what else do we have? Turbo Thoracle. It's In my recent experience, those uh, the Turbo Thoracle decks have been Doomsday decks. But um, it can just be they're playing a ton of tutors that find Thassa's Oracle or Tainted Pact or Demonic Consultation. So you can just assemble that combo as fast as possible. Um, the best way to interact with that is interact with them searching their library, countering their spells, and hand attacking them, I would say. Yeah. As with a lot of combo decks. Uh, other than that, we have Flash Hulk, which we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. That one's, I would say, probably the most basic of the combo decks that we're going to talk about. You find Flash, and you find Protean Hulk, and then you play Flash and then you kill them with a any one of your creature piles. The um, way that combo works is Flash lets you put Protein Hulk into play, then immediately sacrifice it. Doing so um, will uh, cause you to get the 
death trigger from Protein Hulk was that you search the library for six mana value worth of creatures, put them directly into play, and there's a number of combos that you can do from that point. Yeah, and uh, some of them can even be, like, uh, at least almost impossible to interact with, um, especially depending now. on the setup. Yeah, depending um, on what else you one... going on. I would say Flash Hulk can be one of the harder decks to actually play against. Um, because once Flash Hulk is a little bit notorious for once they have it, it's usually very difficult to stop them unless you can just counter the Flash. But Flash Hulk decks are also known for playing Silences and Hand Attack. So it can be quite tough once they get it. So I would say, again, interacting with Tutoring, which is going to be good against all combo decks, um, as well as just they usually got to spend a lot of time. Uh, cantripping and finding tutors and tutoring so if you can just slam a threat as fast as you can and hold up that spell pierce you're going to be in a good spot yeah the the and one of the problems with flash hawk is they can kill you at instant speed for two mana so like once you get that threat down you kind of never can tap out uh yeah like you always true. have to be holding up that removal spell or that counter spell, though removal doesn't really do a whole lot anymore. Um, uh, yeah, it probably isn't going to do much for you. Yeah, really. Um, you never, attack. you never for. Sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, hand attack counter spells and like tutor interaction are probably your best bets. I will say, if you look at their hand and you see they have no, they have no pieces, you can afford to tap out once, or maybe twice if you're ballsy. But uh, yeah, I was just going to say, you never forget the the time where they go land, lotus petal, flash, hulk, and they just have it. Now, I've never experienced that, but I, I, I woke up in a cold sweat from a nightmare one time when that happened to me. So, yeah, yeah. And that's a real story. I didn't just make it up. Um, it's even worse uh, when you, like, get taxi and probe them and see that they, like, only, they like, they don't have anything, and then in step, they, like cast a a consider and then next turn they just combo it's i heard i think was it an lrr or like ben wheeler where they clicked them saw neither flash nor hulk and then off the click they drew flash and off their draw set they drew hulk i don't that had to that i think that was ben wheeler brutal oh yeah i'm not sure who that was Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to what I would say is probably my favorite form of combo that's not... Well, actually, I like Paradox and Academy more. Or sorry, Paradox and Eggs more. But after Paradox and Eggs, hybrid combo is what I like. Um, this is usually going to be in the form of a control deck or a mid-range deck with a combo option. Um, I would say the most uh, bread and butter version is either uh, Esper, or maybe Jeskai Time Vault. Um, you're playing a perfectly legitimate control plan um, that is kind of guiding you into assembling a combo that lets you take infinite turns, and then from there, it does, you, know, you attack them with your Vendillion Click or your getting to the trials. It doesn't matter. You have some way to kill them in your deck after that. Yeah, those those kind of decks, it almost feels like tempo in reverse, where tempo, your game plan is to get a threat and then disrupt them just enough to attack them with your threat. In the like hybrid time vault kind of like control combo decks, your game plan is disrupt them just enough to assemble your combo and then kill them that way. Yeah, like, um, back in the day, it was pretty pop. Sorry, were you still making comment about that? I was just going to say it's different than like a hard control deck where you're just trying to stop them from doing anything. It's more of a uh, a process of just keeping them off of killing you in in time. Just just long enough. Just long enough. Yeah, and that's not to say you don't play normal control win conditions because frequently you do play a few, but it's usually the ones that have additional utility outside of just killing them which is standard for most control decks but like i don't know that i would necessarily play a shark typhoon but i would probably play a gideon of the trials or a jace yeah. you know um like because uh, they do other stuff they work as removal or a card draw until you get to the point where you actually have to combo 
Yeah, like, you definitely don't want Shark Typhoon, but, like, the Wandering Emperor is a good example of a card that just, like, it kills creatures, uh, but it can also just be a good threat. Yeah, and sometimes it just is your win condition, and that's fine. Yeah. Um, One thing that um, I kind of miss is people don't really play, like, twin, like, like classic modern twin, where you just, like, play a tempo-y, mid-range, you control any of those that you just happen to kill with Pastormite Splinter Twin. That's not really a thing anymore. I just think... I assume it's because if you're going to be building a deck that does that, why are you going to spend seven mana on it when you can spend, like, three or four mana on it and it'd be better? Yeah. So people are just going to play Thassa's Oracle as their combo or Time Vault as their combo. Um, It used to be people would play... Painter servant along with their time vault but i just think that's it's tough to to do that anymore yeah it's a lot of mana and flex and it, it, it's it's less flexible yeah it, it's kind of um, the, sa- the same problem as the twin is a it's a lot of mana and it's just way easier to disrupt it's so much easier to kill a creature than it is to kill an artifact yeah that being said they've come out with more ways to interact with uh artifacts recently but um I think time is something I would actually like to give a you know run that back pretty soon. I haven't played that kind of deck in a while, and now that we have the proxy policy, uh, I don't have to borrow your time vault anymore. Hey, um, but I do think that it would be a uh, it would be a pretty um pretty fun deck to play again. Um, I played it at a tournament and did pretty well with it. So you know, uh, another deck that you see fall in this category we talked about earlier is goblins. Um. That is a deck where its primary game plan is not to win with a combo. Um, it just happens to have a very strong combo option if you are to draw the tutors, any one of your tutors. Um, if they're not going to interact with you, goblins will frequently just pivot from I'm killing you to I'm combo killing you. Um, but uh, let's see, what, is there any other hybrid combo decks you can think of? Um, I, I mean, we, I don't think we... we really talked about Thassa's Oracle that much, but it's kind of the same thing. Oh, as... yeah. Well, just because it's really similar to Time Vault, yeah. where you're inter- you're just interacting with your opponent just enough to you, act- to you find the pieces to just kill them. Um, and usually the difference is you're playing fewer artifact tutors and more, like, uh, you actually sometimes play some kind of bad tutors, but you'll play, um, like, every transmute two card there is. And, um, I think Mystical Tutor is pretty popular, but I'm not entirely sure about that. Uh, I don't like it know. doesn't get Oracle, which is awkward, but it does get Taint to Pact or Demonic Consultation. Yeah, or just one, one fun fact: semi-fair control cards. Yeah, I can just get a semi-fair control card. One really fun thing to do is if you're playing, uh, if you're playing the Grixis build, just slapping a Lelia in there because what you can do with Lelia, the Blade Reforged, is you can attack. And then cast Tainted Pact and keep exiling cards to give Lelia 1-1 one, one counters. And then just kill them. Um, it's better in the mid-range Grixis Oracle version. Because uh, it's kind of weird to be playing a creature in the control. Like just, just a straight up aggro creature in the control version. But I don't know if it's I've a fun ever one. heard of that interaction before. That's kind it, of happened, it happened at a weekly like last week. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I think it was Matt. I think Matt did it because he, he built four color blood so he's just playing value uh value tainted pack sure and he, he did it it's because tainted pack says you may repeat this effect yeah that's why it, it lets him stack uh but it's great <laughs> it's a great interaction um yeah uh i i don't think we touched on quite everything like there's some more like um like uh, Bolus's Citadel artifact combo, like Tinker decks. Yeah, garbage platter, um, garbage plate. Yeah, garbage stuff. platter, garbage plate decks. Um, Reanimator often gets lumped in next to con- uh, combo. And I don't think that it's necessarily wrong, but it's just not as an instant of a win as other decks are. So I don't tend to consider it that. I consider it to be like combo adjacent. Yeah. 
that that's why no one really plays reanimator anymore it's got all of the fragility of a combo deck without the instant win it's without like the all right i've gone through the the tedious process of trying to uh get my combo together and then if you just like kill the elish norn that i just reanimated i i still lose yeah pretty much i don't even know if people are elish norning anymore i think they're just attracting i mean sure that's significantly better but yeah, but like still, still like oh, I drew I drew four cards, yeah. but I'm yeah exactly exactly, um, but yeah uh, you know surely there's a number of decks that we didn't talk about. Um, there's a lot of combo decks, a lot of things that have combo options that I'm sure we're not thinking about. Lands, I guess we should probably talk about. There yeah. are old, there are combo lands decks that no one plays anymore. Yeah, I wish I wish I saw them more often than I do. Um. Often combo lands decks win by just strip locking your opponent and then going from there. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't remember the they... last time I saw one. Either strip locking or like gaining infinite life. Yeah. Um. If anyone has been seeing them around, let us know in the comments. I I would love to see a an updated list. Um. That'd be great, honestly. Um. But yeah. Uh. I guess we should probably move on to our closing segment right about now. Unless you had any other comments on. I don't think Combo. so. Yeah, I think we're good to close it out. Okay, well, I think you started last time, so I'll start this time. Um, Relatively recently, I played... Actually, this last week I did not play Highlander because some stuff was in the way. Um, I actually ended up playing Pioneer at one point last week, though. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about Canadian Highlander. I recently played a friend of mine, Steck. You've seen him on Paperlander. His name is Grant. He has his deck he calls Marty Theseus. You can ping him in the Discord if you want to know more about that. But uh, it is an, a Marty aggro deck with a pretty decently sized human sub-theme. Um, the deck feels fantastic. Uh, it's like a triple mox spread, I believe. It might just be double mox. I'm not actually sure about that now. But... um. Uh, I played against somebody who, well, round one, I went up against four color blood and just kind of got smacked around. Uh, the mana dorks were just too much. Um, the round two, I can't actually remember what happened round two, but I ended up, this is the important part that matters. I ended up playing against a blue, white, artifact like it's like a battle bots like blue white battle bots kind of deck and i get some creatures in play and i get a lot of fast mana most of my uh hand honestly was fast mana and some threats and then i had a piece of removal um and i think it was a I think it was a wasteland, I want to say. And we kind of exchanged some stuff. And, oh, I had a, uh, I had a, this is important. It was a, um, Embercleave. It was a flash thing. It was Embercleave. It wasn't a piece of removal. And my, I had a Fateful Absence in my hand and a Embercleave. And I go to my opponent's turn. And my opponent casts Balance. Now I, I my opponent has no creatures, and we look at the lands, and what happens is I have enough mana to cast Fateful Absence, targeting my own creature, because it's gonna die anyway, and I would be discarding it anyways. And then I, well, actually I wasn't gonna discard it anyways, but I, I cast Fateful Absence on my own creature, and then I cast, I still have enough mana to cast Embercleave. So I go Hellbent, and I sacrifice both my creature, well, my one creature that's left, and I go down, like, one basic planes or whatever. And then, but I bring myself to no cards in hand, and I manage to uh, get my opponent to have to, I think they had to sacrifice a land as well. No, I that doesn't make sense. I think they had to sacrifice, or they had to discard their whole hand. They had like three more cards on me. So they, had, they had thought they were discarding one card. They discarded all of them, go down to zero cards. 
And then we just kind of stare at each other for a while. And unfortunately, I ended up drawing like five lands out of six or seven cards. And uh, my opponent drew gas. But just that really interesting interaction of like, I'm getting a really fast start. I have this artifact mana. And then my opponent slams a balance. And then I don't really lose any mana, but I get my opponent to discard their hand. It was just like a fun interaction I got to do. Um, but I did end up losing that game and that match, I believe. Uh, but it was a great match. It was, it was a lot of artifacts. I mean, I love artifacts. Uh, I also love artifacts. But that is going to lead me into my story. Um, so I, as happens sometimes, have not been able to play in a few weeks. So I don't have a story since we last recorded. But I'm going to take us back to a time uh, a decent while ago in the the realm of Canlander, in which I, as I'm known to do, was playing Jun midrange. And uh, this is the power of playing bad cards. A, a little card had recently been printed called Angrath the Flame Chained, and I wanted to try <laughs> it out. It's a bad planeswalker, uh, but to be fair, at that time, the bar for what gets to go in decks was a little bit lower because Oko didn't Modern exist. Horizons hadn't come out. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so oh, it, for people that don't know what Angrath the Flame Chain does, it's three black red for a planeswalker. It comes in with four loyalty, the plus one, each opponent discards a card and loses two life. The minus three, uh, you gain control of a creature till another turn, untap it, it gains haste, and then you sacrifice it on your instep if it had CMC three or less. And then the the ultimate is a minus eight. Each opponent loses life equal to the number of cards in their graveyard. Uh, it's not good, but I wanted to try it out, and I put it in my deck and kind of just forgot about it. Um, and I sat down across from an opponent, and they were playing, I think they were just playing, like, a fair academy deck. Maybe it was an unfair academy deck, but they were playing Blightsteel Colossus. And I'm, like, hellbent. I've got nothing going for me. And my opponent just slams a Blightsteel Colossus. and. I think it to my deck, and I'm like, oh, I just don't have any way to deal with this. There is not a card in my deck that can kill this Blightsteel Colossus, therefore I lose. Maybe I can block it for a turn if I draw a blocker. And I go to my turn, go to my upkeep, go to my draw step, and I look down at this card I just drew, and it's Angrath the Flame Chained, the only card in my deck that gets me out of this situation, and I just slam it steal the blightsteel colossus for a turn attack for 11 infect and kill them and it's one of those times where i like i i, I probably played angrath the flame chained for a little bit longer than i should have just because of that one time i was like i mean it 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 did things that one time uh but you shouldn't play it but if you do, you might get to take a Blightsteel Colossus. Do you know the lore behind Angrath? Uh, didn't he, like, one of his... He, like, just wanted to go home, but his kid got stolen or something like that? <laughs> so much worse. Well, I mean, you're, you're kind of... You're, you're almost there. He... I don't remember what happened. Something made his spark ignite. And when your spark ignites, you involuntarily planeswalk. So he's not from Ixalan. He planeswalks to Ixalan. Sure. And he he's just mad because he just wants to get back to his kids oh, on his own plane. Right. Someone please correct my lore if we got any Vorthoses in the community. Please let me know how wrong I am there. But I think that's about right. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I forgot about that story. I actually think I know the person you were playing against. I haven't seen them around in a hot minute if we're thinking of the same person. I, I think we are um, thinking of the same person, and it has been quite a while. Hey, you know what? Life happens. Yeah. But um, I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Uh, if there's some parts, some specific combo decks we didn't talk about, or maybe there's some points we missed, uh, please let us know in the comments. We, you know, we, we have... Lots of discussion about this kind of thing, so we'd love to hear more about uh, the community's thoughts. Um, 
if you are interested in seeing some combo gameplay, we have a number of combo decks across our 13 now released Paperlanders. Um, we have at least two times Paradox is featured, at least one time Eggs is featured, a number of times creature combo decks are featured, I believe. Yeah. We have goblins on at least once. Um, I think we have think a... someone play Storm, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We had Luke play Storm, Storm one time. I've played Time Vault. Uh, There's a Scape Shift deck. I think we've had a Thassa's Oracle. We've, like, covered all the bases. Oh, I, I played Esper Oracle one time. It was, like, a mid-range Oracle. Yeah. Uh, so we've played... Yeah, we've, we've touched on all of the different big archetypes so um it's like collecting pokemon now we just need like a flash hulk player and a doomsday player <laughs> so uh you can find all those across different paper landers uh if you are interested in that um let us know uh if you enjoyed the episode uh leave a like or a comment uh not both if you if you liked it leave a like if you have something to say, leave a comment. And if you want to, please subscribe. How about that? Does that work? That works for me. Okay. Well, I hope you all have a wonderful day, night, evening, week, whatever you need to have a good, make sure you do. That's a good ending note. See y'all next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the 10 Points Podcast. And don't forget to count your points.